1: by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the MDF Commerce Q4 Fiscal 2021 Investor Conference Call. Today's call will provide information and commentary on the cooperation with a focus on the financial results released yesterday after the market closed. We will hear from Luke Filatro, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Deborah Dumalion, Chief Financial Officer. If you have questions following the call, You can reach MDF Commerce at the address of their website, www.mdfcommerce.com. First, here are a couple of housekeeping notices. All participants are in listen only mode for the duration of the call. The call is being recorded and we expect the recording to be available on the MDF Commerce website later today. The information in today's remarks including any forward-looking statements have been prepared as of June 9, 2021, unless otherwise indicated. MDF Commerce assumes no obligation to update or revise the forward-looking statements to reflect any new events or circumstances, except as may be required pursuant to securities law. We remind you that today's remarks will include forward-looking statements that are subject to important risks and uncertainties. For more information on these risks and uncertainties, please see the reader advisory at the bottom of the MDF Commerce news release, which is on their website and which has been filed on SEDAR. The corporation's actual performance could differ materially from those statements. The corporation presents non-IFRS financial performance measures and key performance indicators to assess operating performance. The corporation presents adjusted profit loss, adjusted profit loss per share, net profit loss before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization EBITDA, and adjusted EBITDA as non-IFRS measures and monthly recurring revenues as a key performance indicator. These non-IFRS measures and key performance indicators do not have standardized meetings IFRS measures and key performance indicators are unlikely to be comparable to similarly designated measures reported by other corporations. The attendees on this call are cautioned that these measures are being reported in order to complement and not replace the analysis of financial results in accordance with IFRS management, uses both measures that comply with IFRS and non-IFRS measures, in planning, overseeing, and assessing the corporation's performance. The terms and definitions associated with non-IFRS measures as well as reconciliation to the most comparable IFRS measures and key performance indicators are presented in the section Non-IFRS Financial Measures and Key Performance Indicators in the company's management discussion and analysis for the fourth quarter of the year ended March 31, 2021. In the fourth quarter of fiscal 2021, the corporation amended the definition of adjusted EBITDA and comparative figures have been reclassified to conform with the current period presentation. In the company's MD&A, refer to the section non-IFRS financial measures and key performance indicators. I will now hand the call over to Mr. Filiatro. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Merci, Claudia. Thank you, Claudia. Bonjour tout le monde. Bon matin. Merci d'être avec nous. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us for our Q4 fiscal 2021 result call. What a year we've had. We, uh, we will turn to the results we filed yesterday in, in a moment, but first I want to take a bit of time to tell you about MDF Commerce and the state of our operations. Our mission at MDS Commerce is to enable the flow of commerce, and we do so by developing and providing our commerce technology solutions to our clients. Our three platforms, Unified Commerce, Strategic Sourcing, and e-marketplaces, empower businesses around the world, allowing them to generate billions of dollars in transactions on an annual basis. And this includes over 300,000 end-user companies, mostly in North America. This past year marks the first of our five-year strategic plan that we embarked on uh, a year and a half ago. At the heart of this plan is our transformation into a high-growth cloud-based SaaS company. During an unprecedented global health and economic crisis brought on by the COVID pandemic, we've remained focused on delivering on the needs of our clients and creating value for our stakeholders. Our success is driven by our employees, and we celebrate celebrate their many accomplishments during that first year of our transformational journey. The management team is confident that our talented team will meet new challenges as we move forward into the second year of our strategic plan. I invite you to turn to slide five, which shows a diagram, a high-level diagram of that strat plan. The strategic plan was developed to guide the corporation in effectively competing in two significant and growing software markets that enable the flow of commerce. Unified commerce, which includes e-commerce and supply chain collaboration, and strategic sourcing. For Q4 2021, total revenue was $22 which represents a growth of 16.5% from the same quarter year over year, and our annual revenue for fiscal 21 was $84.7 which is up 12.3% over the previous year. This is the highest level of annual growth recorded for any of the past five years. When we embarked on this strategic plan, the biggest challenge was to join with growth and we've got accomplished that significantly. And you can also see that that growth keeps increasing quarter after quarter. So our, our year average is 12 and 12.3%, but fourth quarter was 16. So certainly trending in the right direction. <clears throat> What's particularly noteworthy is when we look at revenue growth of our strategic focus, namely e-commerce, And the U.S. portion of our strategic sourcing, revenue from the e-commerce solution has grown 107%. That's massive. And our U.S. strapline sourcing grew by 20.8%. Again, quite massive. So our global growth uh, is certainly fueled by our strategic initiatives, but of course, we still have some older, places, older pieces that are not growing as fast, and we'll discuss this a bit later. Overall, we're pleased with all that was accomplished during the last year, and we continue to make excellent progress in transforming MDF Commerce into a high-growth SaaS digital company. So to effectively compete in these two growth markets, our strategy is focused on five transformational pillars. And here is how we've progressed in the past 12 months. The first pillar was to unite in becoming a single SaaS company. Over the past year, we have rebranded. We have elevated our profile. Look at how many press releases we've published in the last 12 months compared to the last five years. Um, We've greatly simplified and unified how we present our solutions. We've revised our brand architecture. It's now uniform. Our internal services, our technologies, our reporting, and our planning have also been realigned to favor operational unity and efficiency. The second pillar is accelerating product development and adding innovation. We did this by adding new senior product strategists, IT resources that have considerable, <coughs> I'm sorry, considerable impact on accelerating our development cycles, <clears throat> strengthening our product innovation, and further monetizing existing assets. All these improvements have been extremely well-received by our customers. We have new versions of our e-commerce solutions, as well as multiple innovations in our strategic sourcing platforms, which helps explain the growth. MDF Commerce remains committed to investing in product development that maintains our competitive edge and improves our ability to convert our pipeline. Thirdly, it was the scaling of customer acquisitions. Considerable efforts were put into developing our sales resources and processes. New sales leadership, ongoing sales training. The past year, we've won major accounts, such as Aldi, Indigo, AIMCO, the Canning Group, the government of Newfoundland, and Labrador, among others. We've onboarded over 92,000 suppliers for strategic sourcing, and approximately 600 SMBs to our unified commerce solutions. Sales leadership dedicated to our high-growth platform is driving the implementation of our organic growth plan, which is focused on further strengthening our sales culture and leveraging cross-selling opportunities between our different platforms. Our fourth pillar is ongoing mergers and acquisitions, and integration, which is a key element to our transformational plan. Our acquisition strategy revolves around the specific goals of expanding our geographic footprint and strengthening our product offering. We entered fiscal 2021, just having completed the integration of KE Commerce and have since acquired an integrated vendor registry which added 70,000 new suppliers, 400 buying agencies, and increased our coverage to 14 additional states in the, in the U.S. These are two very good examples of executing on our strategy, strengthening our product offering for unified commerce and expanding our geographical reach for strat sourcing with the end goal of further consolidating a very fragmented market. Looking ahead, our m and roadmap is robust. We have targets for both unified commerce and strategic sourcing in our pipeline that we will be executing on. And last, but not least, uh, it's actually probably the most important one, cultivating the culture of talent and productivity. As a software company, the main driver of our success is our people, their talents, in our culture. Over the past year, considerable efforts have been made to bring life to a set of values that empower our teams to innovate, accelerate sales effort, ensure better operational efficiency, better governance, diversity, inclusion. As the tech resource crunch intensifies in Canada and internationally, we've implemented multiple strategies and campaigns across Canada, in the U.S., and parts of Europe to source the new talent required to support our accelerating growth trajectory. This is just anecdotal, but uh, our hyper-local recruiting campaign and our partnership in Ukraine, I was informed earlier this morning that we've actually recruited our two first candidates from these campaigns. It's starting to work. As we exit Fiscal 2021, with the fastest growth trajectory experienced by MDF Commerce in several years, management has identified a few foundational elements that need to be addressed in order to scale more efficiently in the future. Accelerated growth revealed that there are opportunities to improve efficiencies and margins by upgrading some technology in key area as we increase the number of large deployments. This require us, it requires us to invest in cloud transformation to improve metrics such as usage and transaction volume as it increases for our e-commerce solutions. <clears throat> At the end of year one, one of the most exciting aspects of our efforts is the marked growth acceleration in our areas of strategic focus. E-commerce, U.S.-based strategic sourcing. As I mentioned earlier, we believe these results are a good indicator of the potential for our growth strategy. Not only did we uh, transform our operations, but we also strengthened our leadership team. We added three new members to our board of directors. Christian Dumont from California, Clément Gignac, well-known in Quebec and Canada, and more recently, Marianne Bell, a great leader. With all the leaders, we also added to the management team our new chief financial officer, Deborah, our new chief legal officer, Nicolas, our new VP of human resources, uh, Julie Belanger, as well as strengthening our team in e-commerce. It's been an extraordinary year. And with this, uh, I will turn over the call to Deborah to discuss our Q4 and fiscal 2021 financial results.
0: Thanks, Luke. Um, you could turn to slide 6, where I'll start with the annual Fiscal 21 results. Total revenue, as Luke mentioned, was $84.7 million. That compares to $75 million reported in the previous year, an annual growth rate of 12.3%, and as Luke mentioned, the highest level of annual growth recorded in the past five years. We look at our revenues under three strategic platforms, uh, unified commerce represents about 44% of our revenue, strategic sourcing 39%, and e-marketplace is about 17%. The unified commerce platform, which includes our supply chain collaboration and our e-commerce solutions, generated $37.3 million for fiscal 2021, an increase of almost $12 million at 47% compared to our revenues of the previous year at $25.5 million. The strategic sourcing platform generated $32.7 million, an increase of 7.8 dollars compared to $30.3 million in the previous year. When we look at our e-marketplaces platform, it generated $14.7 million for fiscal 21. That's down 25.3 compared to revenues of the previous year of 19.7. If we focus on our two growth platforms, the unified commerce, which we saw the growth at 47 year 47% year over year, and specifically our US based strategic sourcing, um, these are the areas we see the highest growth potential. First, for unified commerce, which includes our again supply chains and our e commerce solutions. Um, On the e commerce lever, we have two solutions Orchestra, which is our larger enterprise solution, and it contributed 7.1 million of the year-over-year increase. And the increase in revenue in our orchestra solution is really around organic growth, new clients, and increased transaction-based revenues year-over-year. In e-commerce, which we acquired in December 2019, we strengthened our e-commerce solution offering, and it contributed 5.4 million To the year-over-year increasing revenue. Combined, the two e-commerce solutions generated a year-over-year revenue growth of an impressive 107%. Our e-commerce solutions often generate professional services revenue, primarily from implementation services and large deployment contracts. These are typically our lower margin revenue streams, um, their lower margin than the recurring revenue from right-of-use licensing or our typical SAS revenue. We introduced a partner strategy to decrease our focus on implementation services in favor of focusing on higher margin SaaS revenue. In our supply chain collaboration, we saw a decrease in year-over-year year, year year revenue of um, 0.6 million. And this is mainly around certain retailers which were negatively impacted um, due to the COVID pa- COVID-19 pandemic, as this is really a lower um, a volume uh, business and where we saw lower transactions and volumes that is driving that revenue down over year over year. If we turn to strategic sourcing, this is a solution where the public ser- sector is at the heart of the value proposition and represents some of our highest quality and most efficient revenue streams. This year, It was in the US-based strategic sourcing solutions that we saw the highest year-over-year growth, and that was 20.8%. The acquisition of vendor registry in fiscal 21 broadened our US strategic sourcing, geography geography, geography, and our footprint there. We believe that the US-based government infrastructure spending will provide us a wonderful opportunity for pipeline growth and conversion. Turning to the e-market platform where we saw revenue for the year of 14.7, but an overall decrease uh, in growth of 25.3%. Here, this is a marketplace which has, um, you know, many different types of business. And we feel that the pandemic ne- negatively impacted our e-marketplaces solutions, specifically in areas such as automotive automotive parts like our tariffs our business electronic components which is our broker forum and of course diamonds and jewelry in polygon and even in job boom in the early days of the year where we saw online recruitment slow down now ironically as we'll discuss in a few minutes the global job market and related recruitment activity has completely turned around as as we exit 2021 and we're seeing unforeseen demand for top tech talent Overall, we expect the e-market place revenues will continue to have less of an impact on the corporation in the future as we focus on our higher growth solutions, namely the strategic sourcing and unified commerce platform. If you turn to slide seven, we'll, uh, sorry, just before that, I'll cover the uh, year-over-year um, results in terms of net loss for the year with 7.6, and that represents 38 cents per share. And adjusted EBITDA for the year was 5.7 million, and that compares to 10.3 of the full year last year. Um, we mentioned in the early part of the call that we did amend our, adjust, our definition of adjusted EBITDA to adjust for acquisition costs and restructuring costs. And we exclude these, exclude, excuse me, exclude these, exclude these, having trouble, um, because we don't believe that they're representative of our core business and we adjust them so that the periods will be comparative um, from one to the other. Overall, adjusted EBITDA declined year over year due to increased foundational investments in operations, sales and marketing, R&D and professional services that support our implementation and strategic initiatives and our overall transformation plan. Foundational investments are expected to improve scalability and efficiency over time. Now we can turn to slide seven for the Q4 2021 results. Um, total revenue was 22 million, again representing a nice growth quarter over quarter at 16.5%, and that's up from 18.9 million in the previous year. The corporations, unified commerce, and strategic sourcing saw again the highest growth in the fourth quarter, while e marketplaces was stable. Are declining in some of the marketplaces uh, quarter over quarter. In unified commerce platform, where we saw 9.7 million, that represented growth of 29.5. And again, in the e-commerce solutions, that is part of Orchestra and Arcade e-commerce, we saw an increase of revenues of 2.4 million together compared to the same quarter of fiscal 2020. K-e-commerce, which was acquired by the corporation in December 2019, contributed $2 2 million in revenues in the fourth quarter compared to 1.6 in the quarter before, sorry, the Q4 of the previous year. The increased demand for e-commerce services, which accelerated in the context of COVID-19, has resulted in higher right-of-use revenues, higher professional services revenues that are supporting large customer deployments. For strategic sourcing, the revenue for the quarter was 8.7 million, or up 15.4 over the previous Q4. Revenue increased um, by 1.4, essentially over the Q4 this year versus Q4 last year. Again, we saw that the corporation's U.S.-based solution, BidNet, contributed the majority of the revenue um, quarter over quarter, and in including the corporation's acquisition of Vendor Registry, which was in November 2020. Again, we say that the U.S.-based strategic sourcing solutions are really benefiting for, from organic growth in revenues driven mainly by new buying agencies, which are driving up an increase in the number of paying suppliers and an overall increase in revenues compared to 2020. In marketplace, e-marketplaces, we saw revenues at $3.6 million a slight decline um, over the prior year, uh, representing 6.7%. Overall, we see in the e-marketplaces platform slightly negatively impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, as most of the solutions experienced lower memberships or lower transaction volumes in their respective industries. Turning our attention to our margins, gross margins were about compared to the prior year at 67. The decrease in gross margin percentage is mainly due to professional fees revenue that yield lower margins um, and this relates to large customer deployment, mostly in e-commerce. We also saw higher costs of hosting and licensing from our cloud-based solutions. We expect that gross margin percentages will remain compressed temporarily until the ongoing deployments in e-commerce are delivered. Operating expenses were 16.7 million, and this compares to 14.9 in the fourth quarter of 2020, an increase of about 12%. The increase in operating expenses is primarily due to higher salaries and related expenses due to higher headcount and the cost of labor. Q4 salary expenses were offset by um, million of wage subsidies from the Canadian government, that's the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program and for the year that amount was, uh, the subsidy amount was 3.4 million. Concluding on Q4 with um, net loss which was 2.9 million or 12 cents per share basic and diluted and this compares to a loss of 6.8 million or 45 cents loss per share basic and diluted for the same quarter of fiscal 2020. Adjusted EBITDA was um, 200000 for the fourth quarter of fiscal 21, compared to 700000 reported in Q4 of 2020. The adjusted EBITDA decline year over year is mainly due to increased foundational investments where we saw operations, sales, and marketing, R&Ds, and again, professional services that were required to support the corporation in implementing its strategic initiatives, transformation plans, and large customer deployments. We believe that as deployments accelerate over the coming quarters, personnel and professional service expenses will remain elevated, and we expect to continue to make foundational investments to improve our scalability as we grow. Margins might continue to be de- uh, compressed as we make the required investments to improve our scalability. A few words on our balance sheet. In March uh, this year, we completed a bought deal offering and raised $80 million of gross proceeds. This was the third bought deal equity financing in fiscal 2021. Combined with a new credit facility that was based on monthly re- recurring revenue, and having paid down our long-term debt in Q3, we really strengthened our balance sheet and our overall financial position. In March, at the end of March, we had 110 million in cash and cash equivalents on the balance sheet. This capital will allow us to implement the key components of our transformation plan, including our M&A strategy, and while remaining focused on maximizing return on invested capital. As we move into fiscal 2022, a key challenge is the scarcity of tech, challenge, tech, uh, tech talent sorry, and the growing cost of labor. To put things in perspective, adjusted EBITDA, which I mentioned was 5.7, it represented margins of 6.8 for the current year. And this compares to 10.3 million of adjusted EBITDA um, and 13.7% and percent margins for the prior year. The demand for programmers and developers has accelerated exponentially, reaching unparalleled levels at a time where businesses are seeking to accelerate the digital transformation and their e-commerce capabilities. The competition for resources is global, driving up the cost for tech labor to unforeseen levels. Over the past fiscal year, the impact of this extraordinary demand for talent has already contributed to a compression of our margins, which may experience some fluctuations quarter over quarter. As we move forward, our challenge will be to strike the right balance between managing our salary costs and staying in the race to capitalize on the window of opportunity brought on by this market acceleration. As the tech resource crunch intensifies in Canada and internationally, we've implemented multiple strategies and campaigns across Canada, uh, in the U.S. and also in Europe, to help us in our growth trajectory, including the expansion of development capabilities in Ukraine, and as Lik mentioned earlier, it's already starting to at least gain some intention and hopefully some success. With that, I turn it over to Lik.
2: Thanks, Deborah. So uh, let's uh, go over to slide eight, uh, where the times are really uh, extraordinary. This has been another quarter of significant progress in building a solid foundation for accelerated growth. In the quarter, we added approximately 92,000 suppliers to the Strat sourcing platform with hundreds of new active procuring entities, approximately 650 SMEs, and three enterprise-level mandates uh, that were added to our Unified Commerce platform. A great indicator of the potential of our Strat plan is the tremendous growth generated by our e-commerce solution and US-based strat sourcing, which is the focus of all of our efforts. Based on our growing sales pipeline, management believes that much of the acceleration for e-commerce caused by the COVID-19 pandemic will be permanent. This is reflected in the growth trajectories that we reported this quarter, and we plan to exploit the market trends to accelerate future growth of recurring revenue. Additionally, with the infrastructure bills on the way, we, we anticipate an increase in federal and other public sector agency spending across North America over the next several years, which will all be done through various procurement processes and platforms at all levels of government. Our strat-sourcing platform, which really is central to public uh, uh, public procurement, is extremely well-positioned to capitalize on the uptick in government spending throughout North America. From an m perspective, our strong balance sheet allows us to become more aggressive in the execution of our M&A strategies. Our target pipeline is strong for both unified commerce and strat sourcing, and we're actively working towards strategic outcomes very soon. As we exit fiscal 2021 with the fastest growth trajectory experienced by MDF Commerce in several years, we have identified a few foundational elements that still need to be addressed in order to scale more efficiently in the future. Accelerated growth revealed that there are opportunities to improve efficiencies and margins by upgrading technology in certain key areas as we increase the number of these large deployments. I believe MDF has never been in a stronger position, both in terms of market position and financial strength, to capitalize on the tremendous opportunities presented to us. We would like to thank all of our clients, all of our employees, and all of our shareholders for being part of this amazing transformational journey. And with that, I'll hand over the call back to Claudia, our operator, to open the line for questions.
1: Thank you, Mr. Filatro. We will now open the line for questions. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypads. Again, to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypads. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q and A roster. First question comes from Nick Agostino from Laurentine Bank.
3: Good morning. Uh, this is Salman Rana on behalf of Nick Agostino. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, so, Luke, my first question is uh, basically about what Deborah was talking about in the end about the tech talent crunch. So, we noticed that there that there are a slew of job openings on MDF's website. So. Are those uh, job openings to fill new roles or to backfill old roles? Or said differently, because of the tight labor market, are you having issues both finding as well as retaining existing employees?
2: Um, well, thank you for that question, and it, it certainly is a challenge that seems to be across all the tech sector. Uh, we're in touch with you know many peers, and the demand for basically digital pro digital experts and programmers has has just uh, elevated exponentially i'd say probably starting around a little bit before christmas so uh the growth that you see in our numbers uh is obviously requires additional talent and uh we uh we still have quite a few uh job openings and we have uh, went outside of our usual ways of recruiting in order to fill the positions that we have so we can deliver uh, the various uh, systems to the clients. Uh, we went into a very, uh, you may have noticed, uh, very hyper-local uh, recruiting campaign where we're targeting specific I would say, low-density areas uh, around, uh, for example, in Quebec, eh, around the city of Sherbrooke uh, in uh, and around Lac-Saint-Jean. Uh, we've also been very active in the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Uh, we've been active in Tennessee, where we already have uh, a base with vendor registry. And we've recently signed a partnership with a company in Ukraine, which is helping us put together a fairly large development center. And as I mentioned anecdotally, although we just signed this a week ago, uh, we're already seeing some input of new talent uh, at uh, reasonable cost. But it is an a unforeseen uh, activity, which we're feeling both from you know, the, the cost of the new people that we recruit uh, are, are asking for uh, sometimes uh, salaries, which are you know, quite higher than what we would have expected, uh, and we even see it uh, in our job boom platform, which uh, quite uh, interestingly is itself uh, seeing a level of demand that uh, is is uh, is beating records from five six years ago. So definitely, the job market is uh, is a challenge that uh, we are undertaking, but we took various solutions. Uh, to, uh, to address this, and I'm very confident that we will be able to fill those positions in the appropriate time and be able to deliver on our customers' orders because our, our, our uh, pipeline uh, is, is absolutely full, uh, and this seems to be the case in, in many different sectors
3: okay that's very helpful and of course you you just mentioned the partnership in Ukraine as well we're seeing that that started to gain some momentum um, are you expecting any potential cost savings um, as a result from that partnership
2: uh, still experimenting a little bit uh, the cost of resources uh, as from what we can see is uh, is uh, you know, less than than a similar person would cost uh, in North America and with the uh, success that we've been having for the last year and a half about all working remote um, it uh, it really uh, we expect the same level of productivity we we don't expect any issues and I have to mention we already had about a dozen people in Ukraine uh, and have had them for a long time so this isn't completely new to us, we just increased the level of effort and made the conscious decision to to look to grow that development center significantly.
3: Got it. And my next question is about Vendor Registry. So, so was the revenue in the quarter from Vendor Registry in line with expectations that were set at the time of acquisition?
2: Uh, not only was it in line, it was better, uh, than the business case that we had built. Uh, we're, we're having, a, an incredible success, uh, at integrating vendor registries clients into our global network. And that allows us to, to, you know, maintain that uh, very strong organic growth in the U.S. Uh, if you would look at, uh, uh how it's been, in, well, you can, you can almost not not distinguish the vendor registry teams from their strat sourcing peers now because we've really integrated uh, completely the business not just from a financial perspective but from an operations perspective a process perspective and uh, it's going extremely well and as I mentioned you know multiple times before we feel that that strat sourcing market is a highly fragmented market and we wanted to develop this very strong recipe about integrating uh, um, additional buying agencies and additional suppliers to our network, which gives us an immense amount of strength. And with the um, various uh, stimulus programs that are coming out, both in the U.S. and in Canada and probably everywhere in the world, uh, we think strat sourcing growth will be very strong. And as Deborah mentioned, it is the highest quality revenue that we have. It's uh, And it's very, very distributed, you know, no customer concentration. Um, so we're very, very uh, active on that strat sourcing front.
0: If I could add that in that particular um, strategic sourcing, it's easier to adjust pricing by offering different packages. Um, so we are benefiting from some increase in prices without necessarily just increasing prices. We're doing it through increased functionality and ability to um, effectively use the um, the platform from a client experience, so it's allowed us to uh, increase some in pricing, uh, which is helping also.
3: Okay, that was very helpful. I'll, I'll jump back in the line. Thank you.
1: Our next question comes
3: from Amr Izat from Echelon
4: Partners. Uh, good morning. Um, thanks for taking my question. Um, I was a bit surprised with the pace of professional services during the quarter uh, doubling year-on-year, year, especially with the UK um, early in the quarter under lockdown um g- can you maybe give us a bit of an update on the ld implementation um, then as well maybe give us color on how the first batch of stores uh fared during the quarter uh
2: thanks for that uh, Amher so um obviously the professional services to do some some of these large deployments is a i would say is a temporary solution uh that we had to use because of the uh Uh, tech talent crunch that we were talking about. So it's not a permanent thing where we're, uh, we we actively got into different recruiting strategies. So, uh, we, we hope to have, to see that lower, uh, gradually over time. Uh, as for the Aldi implementation, uh, things are, are going very well. Uh, we now have, uh, added a significant number of stores in Ireland. Uh, we're still, uh, working with the Aldi folks to optimize the complete operation. Uh, as you indicated, uh, the UK was, was locked down and, and locked down is a, is a even weak word. It was, it was completely shut, uh, for most of, uh, January to March. And this created some very good demand, uh, to the store, the number of stores that are still active. We would have uh, wanted to, and Aldi would have also wanted to, to deploy or to continue to deploy faster, uh, but we still need to make sure that we, uh, we finish the optimization. And the optimization is not just about the actual uh, ordering and the, 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 the digital uh, software that we supply, but it's about the whole operation. Uh, the fact that the stores are in very highly dense population areas, they're typically quite small from uh, a square footage perspective, very packed. And the picking of the, the articles in the store still requires some optimization. The temporary storage uh, to put the goods uh, while people come and pick it up or while uh, we, we, we have them delivered uh, is sometimes, uh, I would say, a, a significant issue that needs to be dealt with. The availability of labor to do the pick, uh, the picking in the stores, uh, is something we need to further optimize. So we're still experimenting with various, um, I would say, strategies, in order before we, we do the complete uh, rollout. Uh, but things are are going well. The relationships with the customer is very good. Our recurring revenue has substantially increased uh, from those stores. Uh, the demand online groceries is still very strong. It hasn't uh, come down any significantly once uh, UK started to reopen. So things are good, Uh, but going I have to be honest, a little slower than we expected.
0: But we did bring Ireland on in the quarter so... Yeah,
2: Ireland is now on uh, and they're also you know, they've got their first few stores uh, and uh, a little bit of optimization and the rollout should happen in the second half of the year
4: great so 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 are, are you guys like delaying i guess like rollout plans or do you still feel that you could get to i guess like at a high level you said like a thousand stores like um by by year end is that still a good estimate
2: um it's certainly the information that we have currently uh it's uh, but it's something we obviously do in collaboration with with the client right that ultimately we we have the capacity, and you saw that in, uh, what is it, the, the, the third quarter last year, we deployed, within about three months, we deployed a little over 250 stores successfully. So our capacity to deploy from a, a IT perspective, is very fast. Uh, but the logistics and the, 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 the human impacts are, are significant, uh, for the ALDI operations. So it's it's in collaboration and it has to be timed. I mean, we we basically put put more software in the cloud. It's it's pretty easy to do, but they need to put feet feet on the street and acquire and do some construction, hire people, etc. So I I think the pace is is obviously controlled by our client, and much of it is nothing to do with digital, but something a lot to do with operation. And getting the goods to the customers. I mean, it, it, this isn't a digital product. You can't buy gro- you can buy grocery online, but uh, somebody needs to handle the product to bring it to uh, consumption. It's not like music. It would be uh, a lot easier.
4: Uh, no, I understand. That's good color. Um, just back on the staffing. Um, I guess like record revenue quarter, but I'm just wondering how how much is lack of staffing constraining. Your growth. Can you put like numbers around that? Um, especially when I'm looking out at fiscal 22, is that sort of a peak revenue number until you guys like are able to staff like more, more, uh, more aggressively? Or how do I think about that?
2: Um, you, you've touched on on some key points, uh, Ammer. You're you're very good at reading uh, all this stuff. Um you're right. I mean, we could have grown faster, uh, in probably the last couple quarters if we would have had, let's call it normal access to recruiting. Uh, because of the crunch, uh, and, and we did recruit, by the way, a little over 200 people during the year, uh, which was phenomenal because, <laughs> let's face it, we never could have imagined to recruit that many people, uh, without ever seeing them, right? We completely had to readapt our processes. But we still have a significant amount of open positions. And there comes a point where, uh, with the customers that we're signing, uh, we're, we're adjusting pricing, uh, because it's no longer about cost, it's about how fast. And how fast depends on, uh, you know, the number of people you can, uh, you can make those, uh, those, you can get those implementations done. And it's not about software, uh, you know, it, it's not our software per se that requires all that work. It's the integration with all of the other customer systems. We typically sell in large, you know, I, I like to make the comparison with some other, uh, uh, quite well known uh, e-commerce suppliers in Canada. And most of our customers are, are, even the SME ones are much, much larger. And they require integration with their ERPs, with their financial systems, with their warehousing systems, with their inventories. Um, many of them are B two B operations, so they have complete different offering for various customers, and and all that requires some data input, etc. And that requires people to do. Um, it pays off significantly in the recurring uh, amount that it generates. But until. The app is completely installed, well, it, it can almost, uh, it, it doesn't generate a lot of recurring revenue. So we're, uh, we're sort of, uh, trying to find the best, the most efficient balance, uh, between either increasing our, our staffing costs to a point where, yeah, we will capture the demand, but, uh, it'll be hard on the margins. And slowing down, to or, or sorry, letting ourselves be desired a bit more and trying to, you know, uh, get our customers to wait up a little longer to get their implementation. Uh, and in doing that, we, we were hoping to keep a little more healthier margins. So we're still looking for that right balance, but the various recruiting initiatives that we undertook in the probably last two, three months are, are starting to work. It's, it's definitely uh, an unforeseen problem. And uh, I have to say, I've been in, in IT business for a long time, and talent was always, uh, you know, the most uh, difficult challenge you had, but it's now to a point that I've never seen before. Uh, we, we, we have to tell customers that we can't start their projects until six months or nine months. And you know it's uh, it's the reality, and it seems to be happening in every sector in this post-pandemic thing. Go try to find a plumber to uh, to fix your uh, your household stuff, and it's the same types of problems mm-hmm. that we see.
4: No, I I hear you. Um, okay, um, I mean you spoke to okay staffing, um, obviously, and and like the increased professional services, like uh, impacting your margins. Um, But I'm just wondering how far are we in the process of reinvesting in the business? So when when I'm looking at EBITDA margins for fiscal 22, okay, I get the message uh, probably compressed for two, three quarters, but do we start to see an uptick maybe uh, by the end of fiscal 22? Is that fair?
2: Um, that, that's With the information that we have, it, it seems quite fair. Uh, I'm not uncomfortable with what you're seeing. Uh, obviously, uh, I mean, the big dependency here is uh, that uh, the success that we will have in, in obtaining uh, tech talent at reasonable pricing. And that's a factor that seems to vary uh, significantly. Uh, and right now, I mean, I see it as somewhat unpredictable. And that's why we came up with these alternate solutions. I, I, I think uh, uh, offshore development is going to become uh, pretty popular. And, uh, I, uh, you know, we we have to put a lid uh, on these things because that's the big factor that's very hard to, um, <clears throat> I'd say, predict in advance. But from our operational constraints, uh, from our, our investments that we're making, our, you know, most of it is uh, is quite in line with our expectations, um, so um, you're, uh, you're you're bang on.
4: Okay, may, maybe one last one. Can you give us an update on capital deployment? You ended the quarter obviously with a very large cash position, and we're seeing platforms and your verticals get taken out at um, called 15 to 25x revenues. Um, how are you guys like uh, competing in such an environment, in in light of what you guys like spoke about in the prepared remarks of RYC uh, and being focused on RYC?
2: Um, two things, right? We uh, we're we're looking at uh, two large uh, um, let's say strategies for RMN8. And what you mentioned uh, with the, the acquisitions we saw from our, our Montreal friends at Lightspeed, uh, they're acquiring platforms. In our case uh, right now, uh, acquiring platforms in e-commerce is, uh, is not very synergistic with us. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to integrate, and we already have a platform that addresses large clients in, in very many different spaces, uh, retail, grocery, B2B. And we also have a platform that addresses smaller uh, companies mostly in b2 b and manufacturing uh, at, we don't feel we need other platforms we uh, right now are uh, successful at uh, you know winning new business uh, implementing new business is uh, is a little slower than we'd like but uh, we we could use uh, certain i would say add-on functionality that we could acquire which do not uh, go for those multiples, which we obviously would not want to uh, invest our capital at 15 to 25X sales. Uh, or certainly not until we trade at that level. Uh, in struct sourcing, you saw that uh, we acquired Vendor Registry at about a 5X multiple. Um, <clears throat> you saw that uh, Negometrics was acquired by Mersal, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, it was about at a four-and-a-half multiple, and unfortunately, they, they got it. Um, so we're, we're looking at, uh, like we mentioned before, many uh, opportunities also in strat sourcing, where we feel multiples, although are on the rise, are still a bit more uh, reasonable. And as we mentioned before, the quality of business there uh, is uh, is very high. It's very recurring revenue. It's not dependent on large customers. A lot less dependent on staffing because it is a network. Um, so we're 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 very active also on the strategic sourcing front uh, to look at uh, a pipeline, and we feel that there our integration capabilities really makes the difference. And although we're not trading at those multiples, uh, the integration strategy like we did with Vendor Registry really creates a very strong return, uh, on the capital invested. So we're looking at both, uh, but we're being prudent, uh, and patient, uh, about, you know, what we offer, uh, in order to complete the M&A strategy. Very happy to have a strong balance sheet because it uh it allows us to to really be uh much more active than some of our competitors uh which don't have that uh, facility for now.
4: Great thanks. I'll pass the link.
1: Your next question comes from the lineup, Ben Franklin from Rural Stakes Capital.
3: Hi, guys. I just have one quick question. Uh, You mentioned multiple times about uh, updating technology. Can you just uh, kind of quantify the magnitude, or should we expect some large capex in the next year or some idea of what what that will cost? And uh, that's my only question. Thank you.
2: Uh, Thanks, Ben, for that question. Uh, We're not expecting large amounts of capital expenditure. Uh, We're probably, you know, in in similar levels that we were in prior years. Um, a lot of those, uh, I would say, optimizations are uh, from having moved some of our technology in the cloud. As you're aware, uh, I mean, the cloud offers uh, multiple uh, optimization possibilities, and um, we 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 run some systems on AWS and some others on Azure, and they they work you know somewhat differently, and. Uh, the great thing about the cloud is that you can scale up almost instantaneously instantaneously sorry uh but if you do that uh your costs of cloud become uh you know too high so there needs to be some optimization in terms of uh how much CPU you use how much memory you use uh and that type of thing which was uh which is the type of work that we need to do so, it's really optimizing uh, microservicing, uh, or sorry, wrapping our, certain of our systems in microservices so that when we scale, and we do see uh, large spikes of scaling, <clears throat> we, we have to make sure that our um, cloud costs stay in line with our expectations. So, that's, that's mostly that type of work, which is done with our existing staff uh, for now. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Richard C. from National Bank Financial.
5: Hi, this is um, here, Rao calling in for Richard.
1: Um,
5: So thanks for taking my question. So I just wanted to touch a bit on the uh, gross margins. So I know um, you guys have been saying that gross margin is being pressured by the uh, professional services. Just wondering, once that stabilizes, um, what do you expect gross margins to be?
0: Right, Um, and so the gross margins, remembering here that we're talking about the sort of cost of sales margins, the professional fees, we are being paid for the professional fees, so typically there's a revenue and and an expense, obviously, for our staff, so those are where the margins are more compressed. Um, When we get back into the more typical size revenue, then it's, you know, a licensing fee, and really the cost of sales aren't really, aren't there. Um, when we look at the adjusted EBITDA type of margin, um, that's where the biggest fluctuation is going to be the timing of salary costs. So as we look to accelerate, you know, bring on clients, we need to have the talent in place. We know that the, ta- the talent cost is increasing. So that's where it's harder to predict where we're going on the EBITDA margin. Um, but certainly from the cost of sales type growth margins, then we feel comfortable that those will improve just naturally as we finish deployments and get back into, um, you know, the size revenue.
5: Okay. So, so, sorry, just to clarify. So, would it go back to about, like, um, you know, mid to high 60s level? Is that kind of what the aim would be? Uh,
0: yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So, I, you know, before we were getting into these very, very large implementations, which, you know, we do have healthy positive margins on, they're just lower margins than the SaaS revenue. So when we think about our, our year, we had professional services revenue of about $12 million, and that's you know, going to be um, just that slightly lower margin than we would have had or that we would have on a pure recurring revenue. So, for sure, once we get past, now in another sense, we hope that we're going to continue to do new client wins, and therefore we will have deployments, so that could be a good news story going forward, so, um, but for our existing clients, then for sure those margins will start to increase as, uh, as stores, if, for example, um, Aldi or other clients where the implementations are complete and we get back into doing our, our main business of SaaS type revenue.
5: Okay, thanks for that. And then just uh, one last question. So uh I know you guys mentioned there's some weakness in the uh, supply chain solutions. Just uh wondering um as uh, the US has opened up a bit, um are you guys uh seeing any trends there that are notable in terms of um that picking up again?
2: Uh definitely. We uh I mean we what's happening in supply chain is uh unfortunately there are you know some suppliers that didn't uh Make it through. Uh, we're gaining new suppliers uh, for our large ecosystems, and they're coming on board. We see consumption. We see the amount of traffic uh, increasing, and you know you you see a, a flat, little bit declining revenue, uh, but there's there's a lot of additional new clients, uh, new uh, 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 new suppliers who are using the systems and what's happening is that although it's it's flat declining, uh, it's actually a mixture of those suppliers that just went off uh, because they shut down or they closed that are being replaced. So we've replenished significantly uh, the supply chain uh, line of business. They've had a
0: lot of luxury business luxury retail in there so that slowed down obviously in the current year but then other things you know think of the client like something like indigo where you know now there's there's a lot the volumes are picking up it's a new client so um, we think that the pandemic did have an impact there and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see some uh, return to to the normal and increase in, in that
5: Okay, thanks so much for that Color. I'll pass the line.
1: I show no further questions at this time. I will turn the call back to Mr. Filiatro.
2: Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for being with us this morning. Merci beaucoup d'avoir été avec nous ce matin. Uh, Encore une fois, merci à tous nos employés, tous nos clients et tous nos investisseurs. Thanks to all of our uh, staff, our clients and our investors. Uh, for supporting us, and uh, we're excited to continue uh, the journey that we're on and uh, looking forward to meeting some of you in person, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a great uh, rest of the day, guys. Merci à tous. Merci à tout le monde.
1: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
6: The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit score safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.